that's a really important starting point. And it's a really important thing to protect forever. Um, because if I ever know too much about what it's going to be, I probably... Where do you go to say, well, look, I'm the artistic director, the artist and the CEO of an organisation. <laughs> what do I What do I do for that? <laughs> when I make something, when I make a show, I in left in the trails of the distance behind it are probably five shows. I don't know how, I don't know how people can possibly make something in four weeks, six weeks and expect it to be good. I don't know how. Welcome back to The Director's Diary. I'm very excited for us to open the diary of Amit Lahav, Artistic Director of Gecko Theatre. In this chapter, Amit talks about a lot, a wide range of things from fleeing a war zone as a young child to his parents splitting up to finding his love of performing to creating Gecko and their process, which is, for me, super interesting. He also talks about how to really get in touch with creating stories and what it means to be human. And also um, a topic quite close to my heart is when he goes into the the multiple hats that we can wear in this industry. So being an artistic director, a CEO, a producer, an artist, a performer, all in one, and how he himself juggles all of that whilst having a family life and a semblance of a normal life, whatever that means for you. So let's dive in. This is the director's diary. It's no one's intention ever to share a diary. So if you're listening to this, keep it close and use it well. So, I mean, it's great to have you on the podcast. Been looking forward to this conversation for uh, a long time. How are you? I'm very, very good. It's a beautiful day. It is an actual, uh, in, sunny, in sunny Suffolk, the sun is shining. Maybe it's the same where you are. I don't know, but it's gorgeous. It is. Um, let's crack on with the tradition of the podcast, which um, for all special guests, I'm going to ask you to tell me your life story in two minutes. Horrific. Thank you. <laughs> so um, whenever you're ready, how have you got to where you are now? Okay, here we go. Um, this will be a challenge. I am a salad of uh, migration stories um, from Yemen and Poland and uh, uh, Germany, Norway, North Africa. It's all very close. I was born in Israel. Um, there was a war in uh, 1973. We migrated to um, the UK, to London. My parents uh, split up and uh, I think I found myself as a human being trying to make sense of the world um, physically, visorially, um, narratively. And I suppose it took me down a certain voyage of express of expressiveness, um, perhaps um, the passionate, expressive Israeli side of me, I think, also helped to take me there. And somehow I found myself um, exploring theatre very, very late. I think it was 18 before I went, oh, hold on a minute, this is my world, These are, this is my community, my people. And I think one way of telling the story is I never look back from that moment once I smelt the, 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 the feeling of being in a studio. 
Um, and my then it becomes about connecting with people and my um, fascination and obsession with relationships and, and connectivity um, and empathy. The whole voyage from there um, it starts to become about trying to find a voice, expressing myself and knowing that I have an unusual um, and particular way of expressing myself and connecting with people, a deep way of connecting with people. Um, training, theatre, and then a voyage through Europe of, of um, discovering myself with other theatre makers. And that is two minutes. Amazing. Very hard. A very hard uh, thing to try and do. Yeah, impossible. <laughs> I gave it my best shot. Yeah, impossible but it's really interesting to see what you've or how you've how you tell your story um mm. can we go back to israel and moving countries and sure. could you just give us a bit more detail in terms of what that was actually like because i don't think mm. many people will ho hopefully won't have to do that or like that sounds like a bit of trauma and uh, upheaval so mm. what 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 was that like for you? What could you describe it? Well, I mean, um, I was too small, too young um, to 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 give any to give too much kind of um, clarity on that in some ways. Um, but um, yeah, the 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 the, the war, the well-known war in '73, I think, was the thing that really. Um, gave the impetus to my parents. My mother was uh, from Hackney and my dad, dad Israeli, and they'd met. Um, and uh, I think the impetus was just, without, you know, um, our son isn't going to fight in wars and it's not, it, it, we're not, that's not the world that we perceive in front of us. So I think that, that possibly tells the story that's probably the through line of it really, which is we, we need to move to a different place. And, um, um, having said that, all the way through my childhood, we were backwards and forwards to Israel. So I have a I have a sense of growing up in an in an Israeli environment more than I actually lived there um, as a small child before moving to London. Um, the smells, the food, the arguments, the the the, the backgammon. And it's all um, so I have it as a as a very strong sense memory throughout throughout my childhood. Um, so yeah, I was too small to have a kind of that kind of um, that kind of memory of what was going on exactly. But um, yeah. And another thing you said was your parents splitting up was a bit of a catalyst for things. So is that how did that impact? How old were you when they split, and how did that affect? affect things um, I was seven seven mm. years old and I think I think it was enormously um, impacting always very difficult to say exactly how I think what it did actually in the most if I talk about it in the most positive sense is that their their the way that they um, split they 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 entered into such polarized worlds immediately um, after that split that it actually gave me 
a huge um, variety of understanding of how the world works. So I actually had, um, um, yeah, I had, a, it was like, okay, the, 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 these are so, so far apart. You know, you're talking about on my mum's side, a politicised um, uh, person studying art and art history and painting um, and so her world was surrounded by potters and sculptors and painters and um, white spirits, and in and out of uh, in and out of studios where where um, life drawings and things were being done. And my dad's world was um, was in the middle of the West End with fast cars <laughs> and um, Lamborghinis, and um, and very very odd people like um businessmen with, with sharp suits and and watches but you but that the, i don't know in inherently i i distrusted them and you know so so really different worlds super super different worlds and um i think i you, you i learned about people i learned about people very quickly N both of them were very busy in their worlds, very busy, and um, and I and I think the people around them were very much a part of our lives and our upbringing. Who they associated with and the relationships that they had were when when I talk to my sister about growing up, we talk about all those characters, you know, uh, the six foot six. Uh, Potter from St Lucia who used to babysit for us and the small the tiny little Russian woman who used to um, you know feed us uh, biscuits and make us watch Minder and uh, and <laughs> and uh, and then just this collection of extremely eccentric odd business people in the western really really odd polarized worlds but really useful when you're if you're going to be studying humanity <laughs> as your job yeah, that's interesting that you said characters as well, not people. As the interesting oh, yeah. your vision of uh, vision of that. Yeah. But really, people actually and their needs. What do they need? What do they? What's their? What's their motive here? What's going on? You know, what's actually going on here? I think becomes something that you attune to very truly and authentically. What's the? What's the? You know, what's their raison d'etre and where do I place myself as a small human becomes a thing that you become attuned to. It's really very, mm. very. And then, of course, you have the addition of um, new partners in those relationships and how you align yourself to them and what what they're how they're going to work with that new family situation. Fascinating and complex, but if you're if you're positioned as such that you're interested and focused and listening and watching and perceiving what's happening, a world of um, a university of life coaching is there. Wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could you could you talk us through that first moment, the first kind of steps into theatre? Then you said mm. kind of eighteen years old. What's yeah, I was. I I didn't know. What, I was very very slow. Um, developing maybe partly through the the um fly heading towards me um maybe partly through the complexity of that of that unsettling beginning in life in all those ways that i've just described um slow to work out how what's going to happen in the early part of becoming an adult and i drifted 
I failed all my exams at school. Um, I drifted from there into some college where I was studying business. And then I drifted into another college where I was studying business. And um, so really didn't really drifting around. But at the same time, singing in the corridors and dancing and doing impressions of um, of Shirley Bassey and Frank Spencer and <laughs> various people. Um, and, yeah, very theatrical. And then one day at Business College in Barnet, someone said, why are you doing, why the hell are you doing this? Why don't you go and audition for blah, blah, blah? And... Uh, and I thought, yeah, that sounds good. And I went and auditioned for Hello Dolly, a musical Hello Dolly, which was performing at the Bloomsbury Theatre in Euston. And uh, I auditioned for it, and I got in. And um, it was like a, it was like an, um, an amateur dramatics thing. Um, and um, it was awesome. I mean, it was just awesome to be in a space with with theatrical people. And I was like, ah, okay, these are my people. Whoever these weird and wonderful, gorgeous people are, and where 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 they're coming from, where they're going to, is irrelevant. It's just the studio, and rehearsing and playing and rigor and character and um, searching and seeking and exploration and just showing off as well, and being and being entertaining, and and that and that being celebratory was like ah oh, okay, so so you know. Not ultimately where I was headed, of course, but um, but it, it doesn't matter. It was it was you know. Hello, Dolly, as the gateway drug to physical theatre. <laughs> it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. It's, just, it's the inevitable transition. <laughs> when was the when was the moment that you knew? Okay, I'm, I want to create something on my own steam, and and maybe with other people, and kind of yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, "Hello, Hello, Dolly" is the is the moment is the epiphany of okay, this is what I I do. I'm I'm some kind of I'm some kind of performer. Right. Um, then drama college happens and physical theatre pathway happens. Within that, I think that also, I should say that I had a small mime company and we performed on the streets um, very quickly after "Hello, Dolly." You know, I met other people and I went to WAC, which was a weekend arts college in um, uh, in Islington. And I started to meet my people even more specifically, I guess, than, than Hello Dolly. And um, when I'm thinking uh, of mine, I'm thinking white face. Almost. I'm thinking yeah. on the right lines. Well, uh, not so strict, hmm. uh, uh, more playful, more characterful. Um but, but but we did everything in dressing gowns and um and and we were we were doing westerns and all sorts of you know it was it wasn't quite white white face it was more characterful but it was very mimey and very about physical position um um physical discipline and impressions and it was all out hilarity and fun and keeping people engaged on the street you know so, um, but I think again that just that just uh, attuned me to my skill set, which is mm. that I was very physical and that I could convey things and I could be engaging with people. Street is the is the hardest place to to engage people, obviously, because people just walk off, and, you know. Um, 
So going into drama college, Rose Bruford, and picking the physical theatre pathway was the first indication of where I was heading. I knew that was me. I knew I wasn't interested in musical theatre. I knew I wasn't interested in plays in, in a standardised way, I guess, in that sense either. Um, coming out of drama college, I immediately was clear about what I wanted to do. So I immediately... Uh, was auditioning for Stephen Burkoff and Lindsay Kemp and David Glass and Ken Campbell. Um, and um, so it was clear that that's what I was doing. That's where I was going. And I worked with all those people. And um, I think the deeper I got, the deeper I went into that voyage, I think the clearer it became. I think my my... The, the, the fire was lit and it started to become clearer what type of stuff turned me on. And I think I think I also started to feel, even within working with those very heavyweight type creators and visionaries, um, what didn't work for me. I think I was, became, was becoming very clear quite quickly um, what, what I felt was... Probably the best way to describe it is what I felt was truthful and authentic for me, what I felt was truthful, authentic, and what I felt wasn't. Um, and that is a whole discussion that could be had about those those people, Lindsay Kemp, um, you know, Burkhoff, David and, and David Glass and Ken Campbell, all those kind of different uh, echoes and, and uh, shades and colours of physical expressiveness and so forth. Um, and I think I started to have a lot of ideas and I started to have, make lots of notes. And I think I started to offer up a lot of ideas as well. And I think that's when I started to annoy everyone and, um, and uh, you know, and I could feel that, okay, I'm really annoying these people now because I can't help it. I can't help express there's a better way of doing this or, mm -hmm. you know, as far as I'm concerned. So that becomes the, the, I think that started to become the trigger, like, okay, I'm getting irritated that the, 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 the better way, yeah. according to me, of doing this isn't being done or isn't being achieved. Um, so it's kind of inevitable. Mm. Well, as soon as you start to bounce down that road, you, you know, you've got to, you better get on with it yourself. It becomes inevitable. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and so Gecko was born. I'm I'm just I'm interested where the name came from. You must get that a lot. Yeah, um, I think it, it. I think because of you know uh, we were already making a lot. We would all we were already deep inside a process with Taylor's Dummies, deep in the thick of it. Um, the the language was clear. The feeling was clear in the room. The sense, the sensibility, um, the obsessions were clear. This was an organic place, a physical place uh, where there were no boundaries. Um, so, an organic word, or wo a word, a word relating to, um, yeah, the natural world started to become, you know. So, all of the words we were playing with were all that kind of thing mm. they were they were not um they were not slick clean um archi ar architectural words they were they were words that were like you know gorilla uh gecko um i don't know they were playful because also it was very playful 
They were playful words. And I think gecko was the word that when I, the minute I looked at it, I thought, ah, that just looks like a word that could become and transform into who we are. Yeah. It's not a lizard in my mind anymore. It's us. And so I guess it's, it's just, it was a slow process of kind of weeding, weeding, weeding that out to get to that. Yeah. It's the best way I can describe it. No, that, that makes sense. And, um, I think it would also be an enormous um, gap if I didn't mention this, that um, I spent three to four years making shows with street children in Southeast Asia, mainly Southeast Asia. And that um, and that was with the David Glass Ensemble. And that was enormous. It was a whole other it's an enormous and important chapter because it was it was a process of. of making, creating, communicating, connecting with human beings who who didn't have a shared spoken language to me and and and, and to us as a group, um, and so but it, so that was a seed that that developed. But also it was about emotional truth, which was inescapable with these young, vulnerable human beings. Really important time that as well, where also the the um, some very important fire was lit for me. In terms of a process, in terms of everything, in terms of um, developing as a human being, in terms of the human, um, uh, uh, um, yeah, the, the, uh, about just about humanity, about metaphor. You talk to a child. Um, about being lost and how they what what comes out of them is is directly relatable to any human being the metaphor that that emerges you go i understand that i understand it's clear it's mm-hmm. clear it, although it's a scribbled drawing um um dark and and disturbing it's human it's it's primate it's human and i get it why do I get it? Because we have a shared ex- um, expressiveness to do with core basic emotional uh, reactions to the world, to stimulus that enables us to survive. Mm. So it takes you down a certain road. and uh, For me, it took me down a certain road, an inescapable vortex, which was to do with emotional expressiveness, language, physical language, and the metaphors there, 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 that, that arrive out of that. That, that makes a lot of sense, having seen your work. Because the reliance on your work is not on text, is it? It's not spoken. It's not... It's it's purely bodily and connecting with other... Often with other humans, and it's that that yeah. makes it for me. Um, yeah, and it doesn't have a singularity. Also, this is a, this is a, a, a very important um, aspect of that. It doesn't have a, a cultural singularity which is connected to a singular linguistic uh, form of communication. Now, we all understand this because we are all cultured and educated down this one singular road. Mm. So it, it's it, it's human, mm. you know. It it works in Beijing when we play in Beijing, when we play in Bogota. Uh, you know, it's the same. It's the same. It's it, the context is. The context of where we are is different, but it's human, so it's we get it. So, how do you get to that point then? So, could you just talk us through the process? So, I know you've spoken before about kind of 
a thinking year, a writing year, and a making year as a kind of brief, as a kind of loose structure. But like how that's a, I see those as kind of filters to systems, and you're getting closer and closer. But like, could you just talk a bit about the process of how you get to that kind of point that you've just just told us? To the show? Yeah, to any show. Is it is it different for yeah. each show? Or does it, do you have some sort of through mm. line that makes a gecko show or a gecko process? Yes. Just a quick one as well. It would mean the world if you could leave a review on the podcast. It really does help the podcast reach more people. And that is the aim of this. So relying on you to to do that for me. Thank you very much. This is, this is pretty much impossible to, to do, but I'll do my best. Um, and I, I guess that is part of the process that, that, I, that, I, that I can't explain it really, truly and honestly. But let's give it a go. Um, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going or what I'm going to make or what it's going to, f- what it's ultimately going to feel like, look like. Um, I don't know much about it. That's a really important starting point. And it's a really important thing to protect forever. Um, because if I ever know too much about what it's going to be, I probably. Uh, I'm jumping. I, I'm I'm cheating. I'm cheating the process. It's extremely important that I don't I don't know what I'm what I'm going to do, and also it's probably quite important that I don't get too knowledgeable knowledgeable about the process in in a weird way. Um, I don't want to get too clever with it, and I don't want to get too knowing about it. Having said that, as a, a as a starting point. Um, what I do know very, very well is um, I know the atmosphere and the parameters um, of the journey. I know how to set it up. I know how to create the conditions. Um, and the conditions are essential, and I'm very uncompromising about the conditions. What do you mean um, by conditions? I'm talking about time and space and place. Um, I'm also talking about the quality of the ingredients. And the ingredients is everything that um, is physical, including the performers and including the creative team. I'm talking about the amount of time it takes to make it as well. Mm. So really that's it in a nutshell in terms of the conditions. Um, And... Uh, there are massive challenges about what I just said as well, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, I, I, all I can say about that, well, what I can say about that is I'm getting better at spotting where, the, where those problems are going to arrive and where they might come along the way. And I'm, tr- I'm getting better at requesting <laughs> that we avoid those problems. Um, my my initial thought is if you don't know too much at the start, how do you as an artist director share a value or a vision with a team? Or how do you set the brief? I guess is the question. Oh no, that's that's e- that's pretty easy. Um, because what I'm talking about is the conditions in terms of space and where we are and who's in the room. So, oh, I mean, in terms of what we're going to make, what, you know, in terms of the people, I'm looking for the best um, humans um, that I can get in the room, the most intelligent, open-hearted, 
playful, brilliant human beings. That underline, I don't, and that's really it. Yeah. You know. But in terms of making the work, how do you share a vision? In terms of like, if you're right, yeah, if you you got a starting point, but yeah, yeah, I guess I I guess it's a little bit. I mean, I try not to say too much about about it because, um, you know, I don't really. I mean, I don't. As I said, I don't truly know where we what what what's going to unfold. Um, there is some sort of uh, starting point that I. So, in the uh, thinking year, um, I have had a year, almost alone, to try and work out what that starting point is. But it doesn't tell you anything about what the thing's going to become. All it does is it's that it's trying to hone in on the launch pad for all of the exploration that's going to unfold to find out what the thing is. Um, uh, I had a conversation with my grandmother in Israel in 2017, whilst I was working on some on on a different show. But I knew I needed to speak to her. I followed, I followed that through and went to Israel to speak to her. I wanted to ask her about walking across Yemen to get on a boat to Palestine um, in the 30s. What happened? Why did you do it? What? How did you survive? What What did you eat? What? Who was there? Who died on the way? All these questions I I had for her. So... Having had that conversation with her, it just went, I just forgot about it. I mean, really, because what we were working on the wedding at the time. And, um, but when I, when I um, entered into the thinking year, which is, which is an expansive period of time in which I sort of tried to open myself up to, I wonder what it is I'm interested in now this year. I wonder what it is that is pertinent now, what's relevant, what's important, what I feel I want to explore, um, and that came quite quickly. As soon as that, as soon as that question is asked inside of me, but also echoing out, that was there. That conversation, so that becomes the really that becomes the start point. It becomes a, a question inside that then one starts to ask on the outside of you, and in workshops, and in all sorts of different situations, the questions there. What's your migration story? How did that? How, who? How? How is migration related to the um, the cooking up of you? You know, how does that work? And so I asked hundreds of people the same question about their migration story. Um, but that doesn't tell you anything about what we're going to make. Nothing at all. I have no idea what the piece is. So back to the conditions. I don't know what we're going to make. I don't know what I don't really know what it's about. I don't know how it's going to evolve. I'm asking these questions. There's nothing theatrical in in reality about this. Nothing at all. It's just an an explored question. Um, the question then starts to the the question then inside of me starts to become okay. Um, then there's the, the the Jews in Poland and them. Um, migrating, coming to the UK. That's my grandma, my mother's um, 
grandparents and uh, and then all the other migration stories start to come around and the fascination with that really is about empathy human and 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 the very lo- the very clear feeling is we are all the subject of mig- of migration stories all of us and some of us don't know those stories and that's interesting as well because that starts to become well that must mean i'm from here and i own this place and this is me and I'm blah, blah. and then of course the other thing that starts to emerge is well i know that my parents are migrants but um forget that this is me this is i you know i'm i'm from america and no one else is allowed to come in or whatever it is that starts to build up a dropping of empathy mm. so empathy becomes a thing that becomes really interesting so all of that is 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 part of the build up of the feeling of the thinking year and all of the questions and uh, you know doing my dna test and que- questioning different um relatives and all of that um and it just becomes a flooding of all of those feelings and the feelings that are generated within that and then going into creating the conditions it's i need as much space and time without interruption with people and then i'll play in a short amount of time two weeks and then i'll have a month to dream draw draw reflect sketch forget remember those two weeks and then i'll do it again two weeks three weeks and then the same process happens meditation thinking drawing dreaming speaking and it just gentle initially gen- gently let the things uh, percolate to the top what are the things that are that are that excite me what are the things that terrify me what are the things that are starting to <clears throat> just right there's no forcing it's just what sort of things are starting to emerge out of that that are intriguing and that's all that's going on in those initial two weeks four weeks um the periods in between the weeks in the studio are phenomenally important because it's in that in that sort of dream space that um at where s- some uh sort of present everydayness about life and how we live and perceive and judge the world and ha- uh, how our egos take hold of that just dies down a little bit and we allow ourselves to really feel and really uh, challenge ourselves to say well, why am I avoiding asking the performers that? And why am I avoiding asking myself that? And what, or, or what's um, happening here? Why do I keep thinking about the Holocaust? And why do I keep exploring that? And what's going on there? And, uh, oh, well, I'll just go back into it. I'll let that come back up again in the room. And what are so, you doing in, that, uh, in those weeks when you're in that kind of dream? What, and, and also... Do you ever get that kind of guilt that you're not doing in that sense? It, you're not. You're talking about in the month, in the in the time in between. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh no, no. There's uh, no. There's no no guilt at all because it's um, it's the process. The thing that I know very well is the process in terms of letting things um, unfold. Um, so I know if I don't. F- if I don't, I mean, really, if I don't, if I'm not thinking about it, dreaming about it or drawing something, 
then that's what it is. It's it, I, I need a bit of time to process it. I need some subterranean time, some um, unconscious uh, um, um, processing, N- you know, and that's all. That's just what it is. That is the process, you know. Um, that's that's how that's how the process for me works. It needs a bit of time just to reflect. And then when I go into it, what I find is it's there. The 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 thing that I want to explore is more readily there. It's at the surface, um, and I am sketching and drawing things that are coming to me, which will be relevant the next time I go back into the studio. Um, the things that, are, that that start to come out in those lists of things that I'm interested in and I want to explore, they're there. There are plenty of things there that seem irrelevant to what to everything that's been discussed. Um, physical things, music, paintings. Um, there are certain, and then and then games and scenes and bits of dialogue and all sorts of things that are there that I think, what on earth has this got to do with any of this? <laughs> I'll find out. I'll find out in the studio. So I literally, you know, I met, I'll give you an example. One day in the time off, I went to the optician to get my eyes checked. And I was in there just loving the experience of being in the opticians. I just thought, this is so brilliant and weird and I love it and I love the questions that they're asking just something about it is so is also moving um and deep and profound not not you know just to me as I as these questions come at me can you have you ever been to the opticians no that's interesting um I was wondering that as you didn't have glasses I thought maybe you haven't been but um it's just for most people, it will be a, just a very boring <laughs> standard experience. Mm. Checking your eyes, can you see this? Can't you see that? And that's and that's what's going on. But I find it moving, and um, there's lots going on there. Say more. Uh, well, I guess uh, you know your. <laughs> You know, the first thing they do is you look at a little hot air balloon in the distance on a horizon and uh, you're seeing it and the, and there's sort of the images coming together until you can see the hot air balloon very well in the distance on the horizon. That, to me, is just that as you go in. It's very theatrical. The vision is very pictorial. It's very filmic. Um, but also you are deteriorating in some other way because your eyes are getting worse. <laughs> And um, and you're having a human experience with the, with the optician who's very close to you, like literally, they're at times looking into your eye, at the back at the back of your retina, looking at the muscles, looking to see all of it. I find really interesting. And the care um, and the the sense the that care. you're uh, somehow yeah. an audience and being looked after in that all. Like, right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All of it. Um, and what can you see now and what can you see in the past and what can you see with your eyes and what can you see with your mind? And um, I, I, it's, it's, and I wrote this whole scene about being at the optician, but it wasn't about seeing, um, it wasn't about the things that you could see. It was about the things that you could see, you know, and it was really funny 
and I really liked it. And I tried it quite a few times in the studio, and it kind of didn't really go anywhere. And it, and, and it doesn't, it hasn't stood the test of time yet. But I like it a lot as a thing. But you know, that's on the list. Let's explore that. Awesome. I I, I do understand because there are other moments in hospitality or uh-huh. even okay. for me, it's um. I mean, dentist is a bad example, but that kind of... Yeah, it's a good example. That kind of yeah. being looked after and yeah. humans looking after humans kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what, um, what I'm really interested in is, because you're artistic director, you're also performing in the work, often as a protagonist. How do you manage okay first of all who's who's uh decision is it to cast you in it is that your decision is it important that you're in <laughs> well <laughs> uh it th- that that what you just described there who's decision to cast me in it that's that has never happened in 20 years what you just said um there's a decision i'm gonna cast myself in it it doesn't really work like that it's such a slow, long, uh, creeping along process where there isn't, where casting kind of doesn't really happen. It's just evolving the thing, mm. um, especially in the early days. I mean, I, I'm not in the new show, um, the migration show, and I'm not in the wedding, uh, which is the last show. Um, and so I haven't been in the shows for for years mm. in that sense. I am in Institute and I was in Missing, but I didn't make Missing with me in it. Um, and before that, I was in all the shows. Mm. So, so I think I think that the way that I would describe that and talk about that is in the early days when we were making shows. It was very, it was very straightforward. I know what I want. I know what I want to do and how I want to do it. And I'm the best man for the job to do that because I'm yeah. a performer and I, and, and it's not really, it's straightforward. We're making devising on the spot with no money. It's quite straightforward. You know, there's no questions to ask. Um, but the truth is, is that that early experience of making Taylor's Dummies is sort of it's not that different to how I make shows now. It's kind of it's kind of very similar, very much very, sort of the same. In that I'm trying to uncover things and um, I'm trying to get to the heart of things. And sometimes I'm the best person to do that physically, emotionally, in every way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I sometimes even now I'll go in the room alone and I'll just I'll just I'll just make I'll just find out how to um, express something as a piece of movement film it and that's how the movement goes when i get when i work with the performers so um i have to discover things my i have a strength with the performers which is to empower them at all times and i and i empower them and i and uh facilitate their journey through it and that's the best way for us to make the best work is if i can get them feeling that they own every moment of it Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's something that comes to me very easily as well. Um, 
But sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's easier for me to find it as well, physically, myself. Um, it, it's just, it's part of the journey. And, it, and I did it a lot myself. The more you have younger, a younger ensemble who are together as a group, it's kind of also now easier for me to be outside of that and let them find that themselves. Let them not feel that they are, oh God, the boss is, the boss is in the, is in the, is in the choreography. I don't want them to feel, I don't want them to feel nervous that I'm inside of that. And it is a bit, it is tricky for them if I'm there, you know. So I also re really want them to feel, you know, to take hold of it and to, to get inside that. So it's good for me to be out of it in that sense as well. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Or some of it, yeah. Yeah. The... I'm not afraid to get in in there as well and to get involved physically and I would be and I can step into the shows if someone gets sick mm, that's interesting and very useful and strategic you know on, on one level as well right that's... yeah of course I'm the I'm the uh, I'm the understudy mate yeah <laughs> <laughs> um could you talk about so part of this podcast is about revealing things and maybe not public knowledge or um or not well widely known mm. a lot of a lot of what is online not a gecko is obviously about the big successes you've had and the shows are amazing and mm. and also about the free resources you've got for um creating work and your process and, and there's i would point anyone towards that um if they're interested what mm. what what none of us have is that kind of uh, the failures or the kind of mm. the shows that didn't get made or the mm. or the um, or the real like moments where things went wrong. Um, could you could, does one spring to mind as a kind of favourite failure or something that you learned as a company or as an individual? Or I mean, it's a tricky one that because it's tricky. Um, I suppose because every show that um, that I've made, uh, you know, it, it it's like a kind of it's an enormous succession of failures um, and also failed attempts to make the show and whole versions. When I make something and when I make a show. I in left in the trails of the distance behind it are probably five shows that are varying degrees of horrible <laughs> <laughs> um, and beautiful as well. But but you know they don't work, and that is the beauty of the process. Is it is that's why I get to make shows that work because I allow myself as part of the process to really fuck it up and really and really make a disastrous mess and and get things wrong but of course they're not failures and and I know what you mean by when you say failures they're not they're not failures it's just what it is I um I have to be able to sketch it and I have to be able to bravely um you know I 
I can't just make a show and it work. That is, that's never going to happen. It's never happened. And um, I know that. I know that my first attempt is going to be horrible, you know, and it's not going to work and I'm going to, and I'm going to more or less hate it. (laughs) Um, um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. I mean, absolutely. And it's, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how people can possibly make something in four weeks, six weeks and expect it to be good. I don't know how, I don't know how anyone expects that. Um, or, you know, it's just to me, if I did that, if someone said, look, you know, um, it's just six weeks, please do it. Here's a million pounds. Um, you know, I, I would have, it would be a total guess as to whether or not it would be any good. It would be just a guess. But that is something to point out. That's something to point out that the thing that marks your process as different is that you do spend time and it's iterative and it's there's time of doing nothing in inverted commas, but you know, you're letting it percolate and letting things drift to the surface. You're that's in the in the best will of the world. That is uh unusual and yeah. and and sounds like it's better for it. Um why would you want to make a show in four or six weeks when you can make it over the course of a year? Like, obviously, that makes so much sense, right? Yeah, of course. The other thing, like, very practically, how do you do that financially? Because <laughs> that's a massive thing as well. Like, what if people can't, or like, how, how do you, how do you do that on a low budget? I guess. Well. Um... We did it. We did it with the first two shows. We didn't have any money. Um, and we just did it. We did it because we had to do it and we wanted to do it. And, I, and you know, and then we did it, the third show, and, you know, with a bit of money. Mm. And, I, and, and I guess... But you've all signed up to the those ideals and that way of making a show, I guess, is the yeah. point. Yeah, it's true. And, that, and But that is how we did it. And... Um, you know, what can I say? It's once we did it a few times and it worked, then you have a story to tell. And then you have a story to tell uh, funders and all sorts of people. Well, if you want, if you want that, this is how you've got to pay for it. Yeah. It doesn't go, it doesn't go another way. And um, I yeah. mean, that's really, that's, that's it, Alex. You know, what can I say? It's like if, but having said that, some people, it's, you know, you've got to you've got to have a feeling for that. It's not for everyone. That would be ridiculous to say that that everyone can can do that as not as, as if only they had a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. That's not true either. It would be for, it would be um, you know just wrong to say that. But that's how it works for me. And obviously, time in terms of making something well is important. Mm. If it, as long as you have a good process and you're you know, you know what you're doing and you're talented. You've got to be talented to do this stuff. <laughs> it helps, doesn't it? <laughs> it does help a bit. Um, something I love asking special guests is how do you stay motivated? And I guess this is a non-arts mm. question. So, like, what mm. do you do when you're not making work? Uh, it's a really, It's a really good question. Um, and 
I think the first thing that comes to mind is that um, <clears throat> I think re remaining um, sort of rich with integrity, I think, is really, really important. It, it's um, it would be easy, I think, and I'm very aware of this, to be seduced uh, into. First of all, f getting formulaic with the work. I know how this works now. I get it. Gecko, the sexy thing, the thing that sells. And uh, that would be lazy and that would be formulaic. And I would lose interest in what I, in what I did. And I can see it and I've seen it happen with, with other companies. You know, it, it, it happens. And, it, and I... Uh, you know, when you get older, you, you there's that potential that you get that you don't have the same energy that you have when you started. That's that's um, so your question about staying motivated relates to that to me. Um, but I would not I, I re retaining the integrity of um, wandering lost into the making of a show and I have to say, it's painful as hell. I mean, it's really hard. It, I, I'm always, and I hope, will always be shocked at how hard it is to make a gecko show. It's disgusting. It's so hard. <laughs> um, and very, very stressful. Very, it, it, you know, and again, this comes back to um, uh, conditions. That's why it's so important for me to get the conditions right. Um, because I want to put all of my energy, including my stresses, into the important stuff, not into the management of, I don't know, everything outside of it and all the bullshit. And that's partly why I'm making a building. It's, it's, it's to, it's to get better at the at the conditions. Um, so I think, I think um, retaining integrity is really important, and I think. Working with who you are and where you're going, or, or I should say, working with who I am and who I'm, and my frailties or my um, fragilities, working with that to understand and be honest with yourself is really important. And I think running a company, sometimes you've got 30, uh, 30 40 people that are looking up to you, wanting direction, wanting, wanting clarity, wanting vision, wanting all those things. Um, it's really tough and the comp and the those things get bigger the expectations get bigger so What's, i think i have yeah i mean i agree i can see why but just interested to see what you say like what is tough about it i mean it's uh what's tough hmm. um what's tough about it i think is I think, well, it's, it, it can be extremely stressful. You suddenly find that you are, you're pitted against yourself. The left brain and right brain-ness of being the artistic director and the CEO of an organisation. You have a board of trustees. You have funders and different sorts of um, organisations, institutions that are part of, what, of the journey. And then you have a very pure 
artistic voyage and they are not compatible they are not compatible it doesn't fit and um and that is really hard it's very very hard if you don't work it out you're going to break you won't make it if you don't work that out if you don't work out that they're incompatible if you don't work out a system for managing that you will break you won't work it won't work do you turn into a different version of yourself in each scenario yeah you yeah and um you could be having to deal with those things with those different um versions of you certainly different sides uh, hemispheres of the brain you could be dealing with that in the same day and you won't make good work you will not make good work you'll it will it will all implode nothing and what you make will just be a shadow of what you used to make or or what you hope you're still making Wow. It's really, it's, it's massive, man. It's massive. It's really, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. How, how do you separate them then? For, for any other artist director who's doing that, how, what have you, how do you do that? You have to take control and you have to, um, if you can, I don't say this is easy. You have to start to um, create boundaries. And you have to, to to protect yourself, and you have to be able to say, "I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that today. I won't do that next week. I will do that, but I can't do that. Um, and uh, I can't. I, I can't do that for three months because I'm doing because I'm being an artist. Mm. It's really hard for people to understand, and basically, they won't understand it." So um, you, do, you, you, you just have yourself to counsel through mm-hmm. that process and maybe um, a mentor and maybe someone you can talk to to say, how do I do this? But um, if you are truly uh, following an artistic voyage, um, that's one journey. Um, if you're running an organization, administ- an administrative organization, um, it's sort of another journey. And it's and uh, you 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 have to you ha- basically have to accept that there are moments where you will be both those people that, that are different people. Um, and you and and at a certain time, you will have to learn how to uh, create boundaries to protect the artist. Mm. Really tough. It's it I, I it's very very uh, you know I've ended up in hospital a few times um, just with kind of you know in various ways just with the level of stress it's very very tough wow. really hard yeah it's really hard um yeah and and work out uh, systems of survival really I mean uh, uh, meditation has been the thing that has um, definitely been in the last two years the thing that is one as part of my system of coping mechanism is to go and, and properly understand and learn um, how to meditate. And um, part of my part of my um, way of protecting myself for sure. And do you do that? When do you do that in your day? Twice a day, twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon or evening. And it's 23 minutes. And uh, it's essential for me. Would Would you mind talking about going to hospital at that that moment? 
Well, I, I mean, you know, with those situations, it's just, and also that's the other thing that where there's very little guidance on the effects, the physiological effects of stress. Mm. So um, there's something wrong uh, with my chest and my heart and I can't breathe. What's going on? Um, or there's something, the other, um, on another occasion, there's something wrong with my gut, you know. Both of these things, when you think about gecko, you think about performing, physicality, expressiveness, um, my gut is broken. Something's, something is really wrong. Or my chest and my breathing, I, don't, I, I can't breathe. You know, both of those occasions require um, x-rays or um, colonoscopies. Or, and so those are the, the, you know, that's where you, that's where you end up. And what do you end up with as a diagnosis? Oh, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's, you, you know, um, I don't know. You, the, the, um, it seems that your your <laughs> your colon's all right. And um, so you don't really learn anything because if you go to have a colonoscopy to check out your gut, you, they're looking for cancer or they're looking for something. They're not necessarily going to tell you, I think you are in a in a massive um uh state of stress because they, that doesn't really show up in that way so that's what i'm saying it's not the effects of stress are physiological and they're cerebral and and um it's quite a it's a complex thing to which there isn't a huge amount that you can what what's going to happen to you you're going to get medication or you're going to get what's going to happen you have to work out how to deal with that mm. and so you have to f- find a system um that will enable you to do something which is quite you know where do you go to say well look i'm the artistic director the artist and the ceo of an organization (laughs) what do i what do i do for that (laughs) it's really not it's not something to get is that can i have a prescription you know that will help me to deal with that um yeah you have to find out how to deal with it and uh so it takes a lot of reading and 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 uh self self-processing to get to the point of well I think I need to change maybe meditation I might find that way maybe this kind of way of dealing with my day and um, how I prioritize how I uh, create boundaries how I talk to people how honest I am in this moment my diet the, um, you know it's it's those things you know yeah it's yeah, and I have three children, and it, and so I also run a company at home called Our, Our Home Life. So home is very busy. Yeah, and it, it so there isn't any privacy, and you I think when you start to look at the main fundamentals for what is going to keep you um, a healthy human being, uh, you start to work out the things in which you are deficient. And if you don't have any, for example, privacy in your life, you're gonna, you're, there are gonna be some problems. You know, if you don't have emotional connection with with other people, if you don't have, if you don't meet the central needs of what it means to be a healthy human, you're going, there are gonna be issues, and it's part of that process of discovery. Yeah, that's super useful, and I think quite a nice point to end. That's like a. Nice rounding up of everything kind of thing. So meet your needs. Get your, your human needs. needs dealt with, yeah. Um, thank you so much for your honesty. It's honestly uh, been an absolute privilege. Um, 
Thank you so much for your time today. No worries, man.